0: Attention, attention, all personnel. Today's podcast is late late seating. Join the wacky antics as our favorite movie critics use their razors, use their razor tongues to review a classic movie. Join Jason Harding and Steve Shivers as they trade barbs and critic critique critiques. This episode featuring the classic black comedy, Mush Mash, that is all.
1: This is not a hospital! It's an insane asylum!
0: Hello everybody and welcome to Late Seating. I am Jason Harding.
2: And I'm Steve Shives.
0: And on this show, we take a classic movie and see if it lives up to its reputation. Whether that reputation is good or bad. And this time around, it has a good reputation, right, Steve?
2: It does, yeah. Based
0: on the opinion of a bunch of dead... Critics from the 1970s, probably.
2: Yep, that seems to be the case for the most part.
0: Mmm. Hey, Steve.
2: Yeah. This is
0: our This is our viewers' choice award winner this year. So, hey, what movie are we doing? Oh boy! Viewers' choice.
2: We're um, doing the quote-unquote classic 1970 black comedy, *Mash*.
0: Mash. Yeah. Hey, you know how popular this movie is?
2: How popular is it?
0: When you type in mash into Google, it gives you a whole bunch of recipes for mashing different kinds of vegetables.
2: Ooh, so not very popular.
0: Well, you got to add other words like movie. Yeah. And like 1970.
2: If I, when I was Not looking, funny anymore. <laughs> when I was looking for stuff about it, I had to specify the movie because Google automatically assumes I'm interested in the TV series.
0: That's true too. It's always, that's what it, that's what it assumes.
2: Google's like, you don't want to know about the movie, do you? You just no 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 just no no yeah. no. Just, no,
0: yeah. no when i was desperately searching for a free version yeah, i couldn't find anything at all yeah i had to, had to get on amazon
2: you were forced to to pay we're in the same boat buddy i would i paid to watch it too
0: look at us we're boat buddies <laughs> ah. steve and jason the boat buddies we're in the boat uh-oh, they tricked us on a ship again.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm going to eat Steve before he eats me. Oh,
2: boy. It'll be just Can like...
0: Can we go on an extended riff about uh, the two of us trying not to cannibalize each other on a raft at sea rather than review this movie? I
2: would love that. I would actually rather be on a raft at sea than have to, enjoy, than have to uh, review this movie, but... <laughs>
0: We gotta do it. We're get, It's, I, for, it's yeah. for the audience. It
2: is. It's the it's the okay. listener's choice, and we owe it to our our wonderful listeners and patrons. That's right. To but review just because this because it's movie. Because listener's
0: choice does not necessarily mean they're gonna get what they think they're gonna
2: get. Oh, I bet they're not gonna
1: get that.
0: If anyone was thinking, oh, they'll watch this movie and they'll fall back in love with it. It'll be a Ooh. glory review. Well, that didn't happen mm-hmm. and now you've got to live
2: with it yep you called you that gotta, you called down the thunder well now you got it to quote another I, movie that if I'm we ever the review the thunder <laughs> b- boom boom <laughs> To quote another movie that a lot of people like that if we review it you might not enjoy the review mm, what
0: was that one tombstone oh i wasn't even listening i like that movie i like Shut the fuck it's up. I, I
2: i don't like hate it but come on it's not like good it's like a hoot it's like you watch it because it's fun and it's kind of i mean it's not like an actual good movie
0: what are you talking about it's a historical accurate account what oh. happened at the okay corral I, and you stop saying bad things about it or i'm going to get Val killing to kill you but shoot you in the
2: face val kilmer is really good in that movie
0: he's awesome in that movie yeah you notice what we're doing now we're talking about other movies
2: (laughs) we're talking about other movies instead of the mash movie
0: fine steve god fine god yes do you have any trivia for this movie that we watched
2: i do have some trivia
0: great do it tell me what that trivia is
2: okay so the lyrics to the movie's theme song
0: Are pro suicide. Are pro, are
2: extremely (laughs) pro suicide, which is not a good sign when you're starting a movie. (laughs) No. When, when you start the movie And the first thing the movie tells you is If you killed yourself it would probably be fine
1: Yeah everything like, would,
0: oh. would be a lot better you'd be, <laughs> you'd be happier And Hey if you're thinking about I'm thinking about well let's all think about it It'd be great right Yeah it's
2: a great message for the beginning of a film <laughs> No kill yeah, yourself I mean, it'll be fine um, No
0: wonder too, they, they went to the instrument uh, Yeah Only version yeah, for the TV like, show. We
2: don't We don't need the lyrics for the also, show Also
0: for the re-release of this movie
2: They went to it <laughs> So the uh, the theme song is actually titled Suicide is Painless and those lyrics were written by Robert Altman's son Mike who was 14 at the time. Um <laughs> now a lot of people a lot of people know that but what oh shit the
0: that, the song makes so much yeah more I, sense I know doesn't now? it
2: doesn't it actually when you when when you when you realize that the lyrics were written by a 14 year old it actually it makes the song better you're like those are some pretty good rhymes for a 14 year old uh, mm-hmm. but um so what happened was of course yes it became the theme song to the tv series as well and even though they didn't use the lyrics for the tv series uh, because Johnny Mandel, who wrote the music, and Mike Altman, who wrote the lyrics, were both credited as songwriters. When they used that song for the theme of the TV show, Mike Altman mm-hmm. still got royalties for it, even though they oh, didn't yeah. use his lyrics, because he was still a credited co-writer of the song. So Mike Altman ended up earning around $2 million in royalties from that song, because, of course, MASH the TV show ran for like 11 years. Um, which?
0: Wait a minute, wait a minute. Yes. You're telling me that a poem that he wrote for English class when he was 14 mm-hmm. that got him put into counseling Yes Earned him $2 million for the rest of his life Over
2: the course of his life, yes, yes, yes Okay, great Yes, And what, And the best part is Robert Altman was only paid 75000 to direct the movie so his 14-year-old son made so much more from royalties on the song than his dad made to actually I'm sure Altman made more of it over the years and you know but but his actual his original fee for directing the movie was 75 grand so his his please, kid
0: Please uh, please tell me that's it that's all it's all the trivia right
2: Oh no there's some more there's more What there's more no, there's that, more come on. So Go. this movie is also often cited as the first film to include someone using the word "fuck."
0: That's right, because remember, Hayes Code was getting curb stomped at this time. Yes,
2: it's the seventies.
0: It's the seventies um, now, but, and
2: we like tits. <laughs> but the thing is, that's not actually true. Mash is not the first movie to feature the word "fuck" in dialogue. Oh. That's it's actually the subject I of some controversy. Uh, nobody is quite, nobody can quite agree on what the very first utterance of fuck in a movie was but we Why? do but we do know that uh there were two movies that came out in 1967 three years before this one of okay. them was a film adaptation of of uh ulysses the james joyce novel yeah go what figure was the there's a fucking the
0: love bug because i remember Herbie, that
2: uh, oh god oh dean jones is cussing all through that yeah, dean jones yeah. no
0: it was a romantic fuck he was like i want to fuck you yeah and they tried to edit it out really bad but you still heard him say i want to and kids Could fill in the
2: rest Yeah you could You could could read his lips You could see what he's saying I mean you know
0: Is it that one It was that one 1967 Um, And and, and
2: it was another one It was a movie called I'll Never Forget What's His Name uh, Which actually Co-starred Orson Welles uh okay although he unfortunately he is not the one who says fuck in the movie that would have been great though, can't it be him, him, him? huh <laughs>
0: can't it just be him waddling on fuck, fuck. and then waddling <laughs> he off just, again. he just no takes reason. a look
2: he walks into the scene looks at whatever's <laughs> going on rolls his eyes goes fuck and just leaves
0: okay i have a better one okay he wandered onto the stage drunk chicken in hand <laughs> Someone shouted at him from off camera. Get off the stage! You're in a live shoot. He looks around, stares down the, the straight down the barrel of the camera, and goes, "Fuck!" And then wanders off. Someone gets him to scribble a release so that they can say Orson Welles is in the picture. And that's how it happened.
2: That's exactly how it happened. Let's, Thank you. Let's my, just my say my
0: world is better now. It's better.
2: One last piece of trivia.
0: You shithead. <laughs>
2: Uh, Gary Burghoff, who plays yeah, Radar, we all, we got all
0: uh, Frodo of the Nine play, fingers. Play,
2: <laughs> <laughs> easy. What? Uh, he's
0: got a missing. Yes, digit. he does. He
2: has yes, a he does. Uh, he plays Radar in the movie, and he also plays Radar in the TV show. And mm-hmm. he is the only major cast member to appear in both the movie and the TV series as the same character. Uh, right. G Wood, who plays the general in the movie, also plays the general in the TV series. But he's only he in like, but he's only in the first couple episodes, and then he's never seen again. So, so Gary Burghoff, yeah. his radar is the only major character to be played uh-huh. by the same actor. Great, and that's all I have. That's it. That's it. Now it's my turn. Yes, now it's your. Actually, no, I do have one more little tiny bit, but it's about a cast member. <sighs> so I will wait until we get to that cast member. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. Here we go. Okay.
0: It was directed by Robert Altman. He's made better movies. Oh boy. This was his first big movie, wasn't it?
2: Yes, actually. yeah, it was, yeah.
0: His first big movie, and you guys know him from directing movies like Nashville and Shortcuts and Gosford Park. And uh, is he alive?
2: I don't No, know. He, he, died, uh, he died several years ago, yeah.
0: Oh, okay. It was produced by Ingo Preminger, Otto's brother. Yeah. <laughs>
2: That's it. Couldn't get Otto, so they got Ingo.
0: <laughs> he was a literary agent. Guess who he was a literary agent to?
2: I'm going to guess. Ring
0: Lardner. <laughs> I'm going to guess the guy who
2: wrote the screenplay.
0: The guy who wrote the screenplay. And uh, he was part of the blacklisted Hollywood 10. And uh, he uh, co-wrote or script-doctored Laura. And uh, that's about it for him, based on MASH, a novel about three army doctors by Richard Hooker. Apparently, it's not a really, really good book. According to the people who adapted the book, they didn't like it. At which point I said, why are you doing this?
2: (laughs) Why are you you making a movie from a book you didn't like? If you don't (laughs) like
0: the book, why? Hmm. starring Donald Sutherland as Captain Benjamin Franklin Hawkeye Pierce Jr. And you know him from The Dirty Dozen, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, and The Hunger Games, and a whole bunch of other stuff. He was in that disease movie that where a monkey goes around and gives everybody a disease. Yeah. Whatever that was called. Okay. Is that Outbreak? Who cares? <laughs> Piece of shit. <laughs> L.A. Gould is Captain John Frank- Francis Xavier Trapper John McIntyre, and he was like in American History X, a whole bunch of garbage. And he was in the Ocean Ocean movie series, mm-hmm. and he was on Friends as somebody's dad. I don't care. <laughs> Tom Skerritt is Captain Augustus Bedford Duke Forrest. Oh, hey, he's named after Bedford Forrest.
2: Oh, weird. The guy who Civil- started the Ku Klux Klan.
1: Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: You know him from Alien and Top Gun and Pick Fences and a lot of better stuff. Sally Kellerman is major at Margaret Hot Lips Houlihan, and she was on Star Trek once.
2: Yes, she was, in the second pilot. Before
0: this, yeah, in the yeah. second pilot. Um, and she's been in um, other stuff. I mean, she's been nothing as big as this, I guess. Yeah, not really. Roger Bowen is Lieutenant Colonel Henry Blake, and he's a founder of Second City, and he didn't do a whole lot of stuff. I'm picking this up. There's too many goddamn names. I don't want to be here all damn day. Rene Aubuchon was Francis, Father John, Dago Red, Mulcahy, and you know him from Star Trek. He <laughs> was Odo. It's the only thing he did that was good. <laughs> he was in a no lot of no, things.
2: no Love for Benson?
0: Fuck Benson. Wow. This has put me in a mood.
2: I'm not in a good mood. <laughs> I never mood. thought I'd, heard, I'd hear anyone say, fuck Benson.
0: <laughs> David Arkin is, as uh, Staff Sergeant Wade Douglas Volmer. Nothing. And he's not even related to the good Arkins. He's just on his own. A poser Arkin. Joanne Pflug. <laughs> he's a poser Arkin. He's a poser Arkin. What do you want?
2: I gotcha. I gotcha.
0: Joanne Pflug. <laughs> I'm trying... To, her last name is spelled P-F-L-U-G. Now, uh, that's either Flug or flug I don't care. She played uh, Lieutenant Maria Dishneider. Nothing. John Shuck is captain. Um, uh, the painless pole, the guy, he was... Uh, he played the dentist. You've seen him yeah. in everything. He's been in tons he was of in stuff. Tons of t- stuff. TV. Carl Gottlieb is Captain John, Ugly John Black. And you know him better as the co writer of Jaws. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Good for you, Carl.
0: Danny Goldman is Captain Dennis Murhardt, and uh, you know him better as the voiceover actor who does Brainy Smurf. What, what a career. I know. Corey Fisher is Captain Patrick Band Aid Bedini, nothing. Indus, Arth- Indus Arthur is Lieutenant Leslie, nothing. Don Damon is Lieutenant William Scorch Storch, nothing. <laughs> Tamara Horrocks is Captain Bridget, Knocko McCarthy, nothing. Gary Berghoff is radar O'Reilly. We already did that because Steve loves stealing things. <laughs> From my sister. <laughs> uh, uh. uh, Ken Primus is PFC sideman. None of it. Fred Williamson is the only cool man in
2: this movie. And, and, and I have some trivia about him.
0: <laughs> oh, I knew it. As Captain Oliver Harmon.
2: Yeah, you have to say this name.
0: I Don't you tell me what I have to and have not to do. As Harmon <laughs> Spearchucker Jones.
2: Isn't it fun that you know, the only I'm, significant black character in the movie is named Spearchucker? I,
0: I know, I know, I know. But he is a neurosurgeon.
2: Yes, he is. And uh, Fred Williamson, of course, he would be, before he was an actor, he was a football player. And after he became an actor, uh, if you look at his filmography, you might notice something interesting. He starred in three movies that had the N-word in the title.
0: He doesn't even, he doesn't even. Let me
2: do. <laughs>
0: he just. Did you see what he did? He pushed me over. He <laughs> knocked me over. I was. Do you? Was do, like you was, do you? I had a walker, and he's like, "Get out of my do way." Do you
2: know where I'm going with this? Do you know? I have some. Keep going. Well, keep going. Do you? Do you? Uh, I get the feeling we both noticed the same thing, which is uh-huh, one of his going. movies had a very interesting director. Who was that? <laughs> so he did a movie.
0: <laughs> Making you do it now. He, he took out. You took it over, bud. He
2: did a movie called Boss N Word. Mm-hmm. Only they didn't say N-word, um, and the director of Boss N-word was Jack Arnold, who also directed It Came from Outer Space and The Creature from <laughs> the Black Lagoon. So I don't know how Jack Arnold wound up directing a black exploitation western called mm-hmm. Boss N-word, but that's what sitting in went. an
0: office. Sitting in his office, he's got the creature from the Black Lagoon paraphernalia posters behind him. Intern comes in. we got a really hot script boss. Slaps it down on the table, (laughs) and they're in big letters right
2: across. Boss N-word. Oh, great.
0: I'm excited to do it. Um... (laughs) Okay, thanks. If, I was going to mention that he was in movies like Black Caesar and Hammer, because he's done like a million Hammers. A million,
2: yeah. He was a, he was very active during the black exploitation period, no, for But
0: sure. you had to rush right to the racism, didn't you? Oh, Look it's,
2: at you. you know, it's, how, it's the way I was brought up.
0: I know. I know. You can't help it. I can't help it. All right. Are you done? I'm done. Got it out of your system? I got it all
2: out. I got all the racism out of my system.
0: Good for you. If it was only that easy for everyone. I know. Michael Murphy as Captain Ezekiel Bradbury Marston, um, the fifth. Why is this like this? You know, <laughs> he's he's a recognizable actor. He did a lot of TV. He's done a lot of movies. Mm-hmm. He was in Manhattan. He was in Batman Returns. Mm-hmm. Blah, 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 blah. Timothy Brown as Captain Cap- Corporal Judson. Nothing. Bud Court. Bud. Bud court.
1: court. Yes.
0: As Private Warren Boone, and you know him from Harold and Maude. And uh the voice from uh, Electric Dreams of the Computer. <laughs> and that's all I know him from. <laughs> yeah.
2: And he's, he's done big other big stuff big too,
1: but yeah.
0: G. Wood as Brigadier General Charlie Hammond. He was in Harold and Maude. Nothing. Kim Atwood as Hojan. Nothing. Dale Ishimoto as is Korean Doctor. Nothing. You know what I mean when I say nothing, guys. They had other stuff. Just nothing popular
2: yeah, or popular Just, just or worth nothing you need mentioning. to care about. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Bobby Troop as Sergeant Gorman. Nothing. Marvin Miller as PA announcer. Marvin Miller also did another voice. You don't know what voice he did.
2: What voice did he do?
0: He was the voice of Robbie the Robot.
2: Oh, he's a legend. He is a legend. He's a actually. legend. He's
0: a big big voiceover legend. Ben Davidson is football opponent eighty eight and he played for the Oakland Raiders. And this is the last one. You will never see him. <laughs> but supposedly he's in this. Sylvester Stallone as soldier in catering area. Uncredited.
2: Yeah, boy, that's a notch on the belt.
0: While he was doing porn and dying on the street and selling his dog for money, before he got Rocky, he was in M.A.S.H. Music by Johnny Mandel. He writes songs He writes songs for movies, and he gets Academy Awards for them. Am going to tell you what the songs are? No. Why? Because all of them are garbage, and I hate them, including <laughs> this one. Cinematography by Harold E. Stein, and he also was the cinematographer for The Poseidon Adventure, and The Amazing Adventures of Mr. Oh. Limpet, if that's actually the name of the movie. I can't remember. It's the one when Don Anz turns into a... Turns into an animated fish and helps us win the war against the Nazis.
1: Oh,
2: so that's how we won the war.
0: Yeah, it's going to be remade with Vin Diesel as, as Mr. Limpet. <laughs> now, having said that, I wonder how many people went. Oh,
1: okay.
2: Because uh, we've yeah, just because we're just completely numb to it at this point. <laughs> we're
0: numb at this point. Yeah, but this time he turns into a shark. Oh, sure. And he, like eats guys. Does no, that make sense? Oh, okay. I can see that. yeah, yeah. I know. Edited by Dan Ford B. Green, and he edited Rocky Two and Blazing Saddles, but doesn't have a lot of credits to his name. Production company Aspen Productions, dead. <laughs> Ingo Premature Productions, dead. Distributed by 20th Century Fox, release date January 25th, 1970. Running time, too long. <laughs> 116 minutes. Budget, $3.025 million. Box office, $81.6 million. Making it one of the most biggest movies in 1970. Right, Steve. Everybody yes. loved it. It got nominated by a bunch of garbage places for a bunch of garbage. Oh my awards. god. I
2: think didn't it win the uh the Grand Prix at, at Cannes that year? No, it won it won yeah, it won the uh the Palm Dior, the top prize at Cannes. It wasn't year, called the Palm
0: is... Dior in nineteen seventy, it was I think called something else. But it's
2: this yeah, but the top prize, yeah. Yeah.
0: What would become the Palm Dior? What would
2: become the Palm Dior, yeah.
0: Because everyone in 1970 sucked balls. That's why. Yeah. That's why What
2: happened, 1970? What happened?
0: <laughs> they were just getting so excited with blood and nudity and stuff.
2: They just went overboard, I think.
0: Yeah. They are like, look, the Americans are finally doing it.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: They're finally doing it. They are saying look the F word
2: in their films now.
0: They put a little titty and a little blood and a little, god's is good. I like it. <laughs> I don't want to do the next part. I don't want to do it.
2: You don't want to go into the world?
0: I don't want to go into the world of Harry Potter. Is that where we're going? No,
1: <laughs> it's unfortunately not.
0: It's not the wizarding world of Harry Potter. No. Okay, no. so Steve, let's you and I <sighs> um, let's you and I have really bad attitudes towards the weapon. Okay. And people in general.
2: Just everybody, really.
0: Yeah, just everybody. Let's make everybody's job around us harder.
2: Let's have no <laughs> redeeming qualities as people.
0: Okay, that works for me. And <laughs> uh, let's, let's go join the army and become doctor people in this hilarious comedy about war. MASH, Steve? Mm-hmm. That was a great, great recap of the movie. We oh. hated it. All we, right. Blah, no, bye. But, oh, no, oh. we had a time thing where we got abducted and then we, we have lost time. We That's, need to... You don't remember doing the whole... Pr-
2: Steve, we need please. to do this, man God damn we it, need how dare do do you this.
0: remind me of my my commitment to the audience Fine, we're gonna do it <laughs> Let's you and me helicopter in to the world of MASH Steve, take it away
2: Oh boy, well, you know, I hope you, you like hearing that theme song Because you're gonna have to sit there and listen to the whole thing
0: The whole um, thing
2: so we hear the theme song, the uh, which, and, you know, if you've never seen the movie, it's the, but you've seen the TV show, you, you know, it's one of the more familiar theme songs, I think, in, you mm-hmm. know, the history of TV and, and movies, everybody knows the mm-hmm. melody, but you hear that uh, with the lyrics, uh, you hear the entire song. And while the song is playing, we're seeing helicopters land uh, in the MASH unit, the 4077th, dropping people off who are injured from the war to be uh, seen to by the doctors. That's right. And uh, the helicopters land and people run up and they grab them on the stretcher and they carry them away. And we're Mm -hmm. told that it's the Korean War. Not yet. No, not yet.
0: We see see radar and... and the uh, Colonel Burns and the, right. the dentist, and he's like, "We need two more surgeons." That's right, yeah. Or we're going to be in a whole bunch of trouble. And uh, Radar, who is has ESP, that's not a thing. He has it. He has ESP. He says all of the stuff that that. Uh, that Blake Colonel is Burns, saying before he says Colonel it. Colonel yeah. Blake, whatever Burns yeah. Blake, I don't care. Whoever Colonel Colonel Guy. And so it's all over talk and it's not funny because we haven't established that that's a thing yet. No. The only reason I know it's a thing because of my familiarity with the TV show. (laughs) And so then we cut to some other place in Korea and that's where we get the scrawl.
2: That's right. We get, we get, we get the, uh, the title telling us that it's Korea, like in 1951, uh, And we get a quote from the end of General MacArthur's farewell speech to Mm -hmm. Congress. And then we get another quick quote from General Eisenhower, who just says, I'm going to Korea. Uh, And then we meet Hawkeye, who has has just arrived. Yeah,
0: That's right. And he's like, I'm going to take this Jeep. And there's a staff sergeant there that's like, don't take the Jeep. I I tell people what to do. And then after yelling at Hawkeye, not really even yelling at him, just telling him, your driver's getting a cup of coffee. Right. Because, you know, this is the army and he's probably had, he probably has a really hard job and he has to drive through battlefields to get places. So he's getting a cup of coffee. Just give him a break. Just stay there. Yeah. And Hawkeye turns around and says what under his breath. To this black military man racist that's so funny yeah it's so funny yeah. go, go, oh boy what a great oh, first the impression won't stop what a great first
2: impression <laughs> of our lead character
0: uh-huh, but then another truck pulls up, and, it, and it's filled to the rim with nurses and another guy, and that's uh, Duke, Duke. and and Duke says, hey, boy, take my bags, and, and in a hilarious fashion, Hawkeye goes, okay, and he loads all the ba- bags.
2: Because he doesn't because. know that Hawkeye's an officer.
1: That's because <laughs> he hasn't pinned
0: <laughs> his, his captain's stripes to his lapel, right. and then they steal the jeep, and the army guy goes, "Come back! come back with my jeep.
2: And then they do a totally and, awful, poorly timed, unfunny pratfall.
0: Yeah. And then um, he starts punching the MPs. Yeah. You can do that. Because... Yeah, uh, you can just do that. The, the, yeah. The truck, the, the, the jeep that they wanted to chase after him, it... I guess it's tires blew out or something. Yeah. And uh, then uh, the MPs are... I don't know how this fight even starts, but he starts punching them. Yeah. And uh, they stop right before he is, uh, you know, pushed to the ground. And it's just basically stomped to death by the MPs. It's funny. Looks like it's about to happen, but we cut away. It's hijinks. It's hijinks. And they arrive at the hospital, and they go directly into the cafeteria and don't say anything to anybody. And they serve themselves food, and then... We sit down, and there are a group of nurses talking, and Duke um, Duke, uh, Duke ignores everything that they're talking about and basically barges into their conversation by telling one of the nurses that he wants to fuck her, yep. basically. Pretty
2: much, yeah.
0: Pretty much, ignoring that they were doing something or anything they don't doesn't matter duke's here and duke wants to get some pussy and that's the way he's gonna do it is literally one of the fucking most misogynistic things i don't care if you're talking or having a conversation i'm important now because i'm sitting here yep basically um but then colonel uh blake realizes that they're the new doctors and, um and then Duke realizes that the hilarious joke that Hawkeye played is so funny and then all of the other doctors come up and say hi like the guy who's the anesthetician and another doctor and the dentist and they all come up and say hi to mm-hmm.
2: the chaplain right. and uh, oh and yeah, radar. The, yeah
0: and radar. And uh, then they get their tent. And who's inside the tent?
2: Oh, inside the tent is uh, Major Burns. That's right. Who is played by and Robert Duvall.
0: That's right. And ro- he has a, a manservant called Hecubus. And he's teaching <laughs> Hecubus <laughs> how to. <laughs> no, a, a Korean kid named Hojon. Yeah.
2: And he's teaching him to read the Bible.
0: That's right. And they're like oh that's great and then uh duke gives hojan a nudie magazine and says go on go read it and masturbate or
2: whatever yeah pretty much well hojan says can i it's one of the it's it's one of the funnier parts of the movie to me is hojan see he he gives hojan this porno mag hojan immediately looks at major burns and says can i be excused (laughs) and then leaves like literally Hmm. the next instant. so that was great can
0: i can i leave I know, and I'm a dentured servant, but can I leave, please? And he leaves. That's great. Yeah. And then we have a surgery scene, mm-hmm. and every all the critics at the time went, ooh, it's so bloody, and it's just a surgery it's scene.
2: It's not even that bloody, really, yeah. You don't see anything. No.
0: It's just blood. That's all. And then we come back, and uh, everybody's, they're going to have a drink. They're going to have martinis, right? Yeah. Both duke and 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 hawkeye and then major burns comes in and he wants to pray because he's a religious
2: yeah what a jerk
0: what an asshole he is how dare he pray for people
2: (laughs) (laughs) what a monster
0: out loud and you know in his own
2: private quarters
1: Mm -hmm.
0: in his own quarters on his own time, all they have to do to not be assholes is to let him do it while they drink. Because yeah. that's all they want to do. But apparently yeah. this is so fucking annoying that uh, they start singing Onward Christian Soldiers, and then uh, apparently the MASH unit is comprised of uh, improvisation jerks, mm-hmm. and they start <laughs> singing the same thing outside the tent. And... and uh, who are we? Who are we supposed to not like in that scene? We're, Is it Frank?
2: We're we're supposed to not like. Frank which I don't really get what he is what's so bad about (laughs) him at all but yes we're supposed to hate him and think that Hawkeye and Duke are awesome (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah
0: so then they go to uh, Colonel Blake and they say we don't like him we don't like we don't like Frank Burns and they say and and he says okay we'll move him to another tent the end of that (laughs) (laughs) the end of that scene, and then we have shots of them doing their job and uh, more operating shit that just goes on and on and on why what happens next Um, I don't
2: know oh is this no that doesn't happen yet Um, but will they at some point I think it's Hawkeye says uh, that they need uh, does he what what does he call it a chest cutter
0: they need a chest Need a
2: chest cutter which is like a thoracic Uh surgeon
0: a thoracic surgeon yeah
2: and uh, so mm-hmm. he's like, and, they're, and they're, they're, they ask for it during their conversation with Blake when they're, when they're complaining right. about burns. And they're like, we want burns out of our tent, and we need a chest cutter. And you know."
0: And there's more surgery bullshit. Yeah. And then uh, Hojan runs up and gets uh, uh, Hawkeye, who's fucking a girl on a pool table in the officer's club, and then they come back to the room, and there's a guy who's not saying anything. Yeah. And that's Elliot Gould, and he's playing Trapper, but he's not saying his name or anything like that. And B and B J. Oh, I wish B J. was in there. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> but uh, you know, the nice guy who doesn't cheat on his wife. Oh. Anyway, the.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but he's like, I think uh, Hawkeye thinks I think I know you, and he's like, Bleh. and then they go and they have another surgery scene in which that goes on for fucking ever where i think that's the scene where trapper literally says and i need a nurse who a decent nurse who whose tits won't get in her way
2: no i think that's later i think that's when they go to tokyo
0: oh you know what yeah Yeah. you're right that is when they go to tokyo yeah
2: but yeah, that's um, Trapper.
0: But he says something awful to one of the nurses. He says
2: something really sexist to one of the nurses. I can't remember what it is, but... That's
0: basically this movie. That's, anyway. that's his
2: character. That's all of their characters. Right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so they're, they're leaving. They're leaving after surgery, and then one. And then uh, Trapper throws a football, and then uh, Hawkeye recognizes him because he played for an opposing team at a different college. Right. We can all relate to this, right, guys? We can relate to these these fucking doctors.
2: Yeah, and they're like, yeah, and they're like like Ivy League colleges. I mean, they're not. It's not like mm-hmm. they went to state college and they just happened to play football against each other. They're like, he's. I think he mentions Dartmouth. He does. Yeah.
0: But, oh, he, a helicopter comes in and has got a new person in it. Her name is Major Houlihan. Yeah. And she's going to be the chief nurse. Yep. Then we cut... Oh, and we also forgot to mention while they were walking along, there's a whole bunch of men lined up. Men lined up to peep into the shower tent. Yeah. And what are they looking at?
2: They're looking at ladies taking showers. No, they're not. They're not?
0: They're looking at the immense penis... Of the dentist.
2: Oh, that's right. Yes, yes, that's right. The de- Yeah, painless. Yeah. Painless. Yeah.
0: Because apparently his dick is so big, it merits a 30-person lineup. Yep. To d- You've got <laughs> to see the, the size of the this
2: guy's dick.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we cut back to um, the recovery room, and uh, uh, from what I can tell, one of the patients goes into heart failure, and um, Frank Burns calls for a nurse. Yes. And, and Bud Court uh, shows up. Bud Court shows up, who's not a nurse. He's an orderly. He doesn't know what's going on. But he's he's calling. He needs a chest needle and adrenaline to try to save this guy's life. Bud Court leaves. Who is witnessing this? It's Trapper, right? Yeah,
2: Trapper sees it, yeah.
0: Who uh, didn't? Did he witness the guy going into trauma and not do anything? I,
2: I, I Yeah, I don't know. But Or
0: did he see the aftermath Either way, Bud Court comes up, and the guy's dead. Yeah. And he said, I asked for a, a chest needle, you know, a cardiac needle, and adrenaline. And because you didn't do anything, this man is dead. Because here's the basic thing. Bud Court's stumbling around like he just woke up. Right. Right? So he kind of shuffles off <laughs> and then shuffles slowly back in. Not like somebody's dying. Right. And, of course, Frank Burns is, as I probably would be, whether it's justified or not, a little upset. Yeah,
2: yeah. Somebody just died.
0: Someone just died. And it was because there wasn't a needle or anything like that. Meanwhile, they're showing Major Houlihan around. Oh, and he yells at Bug and he cries a little bit because he's a dumbass. And so... Trapper sees that. Then we cut to Major Hoolahan being led around. And then um, Trapper tells Frank to meet him in a room. And then Trapper sucker punches him into a box of tampons. Yes. Um, and that's when Hoolahan shows up and. Blake is like they need to settle it themselves, and that punch was totally justified, right? Because oh, he made an orderly
2: feel exactly. Bad. He did in 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 the aftermath of a patient dying. He did something a little insensitive that upset somebody, mm-hmm. so he totally deserved yeah. to get his ass kicked for that.
0: Didn't cuss at him. Didn't do any of that shit. Yeah. Right. And then Colonel Blake shows up in what their room, the uh, the bachelors officers club, and none of them are bachelors. They're all married. Yep. Everybody's married. So. Uh, <laughs> He shows up and he said, "I would like to make Trapper chief of surgery, but I can't now because you got punched. You punched someone in the face and it's bad, right?" Yeah,
2: he says, "I'm going to have to wait a week before I make you chief of surgery."
0: hmm So then um, Pierce goes to the. I have. He goes to the mess and he tries to talk to uh, Margaret. Right. Yes. And basically he finds out that she's pro military and she likes Frank Burns, even though he tells her Frank Burns is a hack and we don't hate him. He's stupid and he's bad. We've not seen anything to demonstrate that Frank Burns is a bad surgeon. Not at all. Not at all. And (laughs) then he gets angry at her for being a military person. I
2: guess for taking her job seriously.
0: I, yeah, for, noti- or something for along noticing those what a
2: bunch of fuck offs they all
1: are. <laughs> yeah, a bunch of
0: fuck offs, just real fuck offs. Yeah. He yells at her, and um, this line is actually funny. When she, after he leaves, he says, it makes me wonder how a man like that managed to get into the, you know, the, the, get into the, the Army yeah. Medical Corps. And isn't it Dago Red that yeah. says he was drafted? Yeah, yeah. he was drafted. Good line. Yeah, it's a good line. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Those we are all our, the good lines. We did lines. our good lines. We did the good lines. Oh, no. But Colonel Blake is leaving to go meet General Hammond. Yes. And um, so who's in charge?
2: Uh, Frank. Major Burns oh, is in charge. No. Yeah. Oh, they don't like that because everybody hates Frank for some reason.
0: Yeah. And before Blake left, he made uh, Trapper, Chief Surgeon, and he's trying to get food. And um, Frank and Major Houlihan are in line to get food. They bring in Trapper John on, you know, they're carrying him in like a king. Yeah, and he's drunk. And, and he's, they're all drunk. Yeah. It doesn't matter. They're all drunk. And he's making demands of what he wants. And one of the things he says is, now it's time for the sex. And he gestures to Major Hoolihan and says, "Bring me that bitch." <laughs>
2: Bring me that sultry bitch is what he says. I think, yeah. Uh, who cares? Yeah.
0: The word "bitch" was involved. It's not terribly but respectful. Basically, he. It's no. It's not. Not. It's not respectful. Not from a military standpoint, and not from people not, standpoint. Not
2: from any standpoint.
0: It is an aggressive, gross thing, and she has every right. To be insulted by it. Oh, yeah. So her and Frank go back to her quarters or his, his quarters?
2: I think they go to his I know. because he visits her at hers later. Right,
0: right, where they're going to type a letter and send it to General Hammond complaining. And while they're doing that, Frank stands up and admits that he wants Major Houlihan. And then they kiss really, really super hard. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, they're super and into then, each other, man. Yeah, you know, they're super into each other. And um, they mail it and then... He says, "Can I come back? I'll come back a little later to check on you." And, get it. Uh-huh. and you know what that means. Yeah. Something. And so uh, Frank comes back a little bit later. This is the same night, and they start making with the woo-woo. But radar has slipped the microphone, a microphone, underneath their cot.
2: Oh, Radar, you rascal.
0: And all of the main characters are now in Blake's office creepily listening to two people have sex with each other. That
2: seems like kind of a violation. A little little bit. Just a tiny bit.
0: bit. And... um, then they turn it on to the PA, and now they realize what's going on, and then they have to stop, and I guess that's super funny, huh? Yeah,
2: it's, it is. When you, when you pull a really mean, humiliating prank on people that don't deserve it. That's it's right. really funny.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now they have a nickname for her, right? Mm-hmm. Hot Lips. Uh-huh. So the next day at breakfast, they start harassing Major Houlihan. <laughs> yep. And she seems not upset, but humiliated and scared. Yes, because at this point, these fucking assholes are predating on her. Mm-hmm. They they needed to they needed to uh, get the best of her in the only way they know how, which is exposing her. You know, basically exposing her personal life. Right. Oh yeah. And she storms out. She storms out. She's been humiliated, and she storms out. And I guess that's supposed to be a win. And I guess I'm also doubled over with laughter rolling down the aisle of the fucking movie theater with popcorn and jujubes stuck all over me because of how fucking awesomely... I took a break. Okay, guys, full thing. This was my first break in this movie, was after this scene, because I had to turn it off and walk away because I was actually getting angry at Mm -hmm. the film... And I had not laughed once. I was sitting here waiting to laugh at this dark comedy. Nothing happened. Steve, how were you faring at this point? I was not
2: having a good time. I uh, no. I was actually, yeah, I was, I don't remember if it was this scene or if it was a little bit later, but there was a point during the movie and it, you know, well before it was getting close to being over where I did...
0: It was the scene where the three male leads were attacking her from three sides and she kept whipping around. Yeah,
2: and I, well, I felt like I was... I mean, I it, it was starting to make me angry. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah.
0: So in the heart, height of
2: hypocrisy,
0: who sits down af- across from Frank Burns?
2: Uh, it's Hawkeye. Is it Hawkeye? Yeah, Hawkeye sits down across from Frank and starts...
0: And Hawkeye starts asking some of the most lurid disgusting questions ever to Frank. Mostly trying to describe what Major Hoolahan was in, was like in bed.
2: Yeah, right. Yeah, and, and just purely trying to get a rise out of Frank to provoke him into doing what Frank ultimately does, which is stand up and attack him, and they get right. into a fight. Which and well, while Colonel Blake is outside I think looking, anyone the
0: would have done considering what had just happened to them.
2: Of course. Right. Oh, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. Major Burns is. I. I mean. I. I feel like we need to stress this. Major Burns is one hundred percent in the right. What mm-hmm. he does is completely reasonable. Anybody, especially in light of the prank that had been pulled on them the night before with the microphone and, and everything. Pierce like, has
0: the gall to bring up his wife. Yeah.
2: While Hawkeye, we when, know, has been cheating on his wife. All yeah. of them all have. All of them have. From yeah, the yeah. minute
0: they arrive. Yeah. And he has the gall to bring that up. He attacks him. And what's the coda? What's the humorous coda on this? Oh,
2: it's so funny. Uh, they take Frank away in a straitjacket. ha, <laughs> ha. Isn't that great? Uh, uh Uh-huh. That'll teach him to have a religion.
0: (laughs) Then we have another extended scene of surgery. And then at some point, uh, uh, Mulcahy has to pull uh, Pierce out to talk to him about the dentist. And he tells him that the dentist said during a poker game, Oh, who cares? It's just a game. And and, uh, Hawkeye goes, It's just a game? Wow. At no point in this movie... Have they established the importance of a poker game? No, it's the
2: first time poker has this... even been mentioned.
0: <laughs> We've seen him play it, but that's about it. We haven't heard how important it is. So Hawkeye runs over to talk to the dentist. And it was this scene that made me leave again. No, nope, uh, yeah, Because I needed to be doing anything than watching this movie. Hey, Steve. Since I use you as a whipping boy, uh-huh. you tell me what happens. Oh boy. <laughs> see, so so
2: Hawkeye goes to see Painless. Painless is Uh in a very, very low depressed state because it turns out he um, he was unable to perform recently with one of the nurses and that started to get him thinking and feeling bad about himself. And the conclusion he came to is that he's gay and because he's gay and also, of course, he's married and has kids. So he's 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 a latent homosexual, as he says. And he has decided that the thing for him to do, because it turns out he's gay, is to kill himself. Because that's what you do. When it turns out that you're gay, you kill yourself. Um, yeah. So Hawkeye hatches a brilliant scheme mm. to stop him mm-hmm. from killing himself.
0: Right. What they say to stop him from killing himself. Or could be viewed if you're a conservative. And let's face it, if you are, you love this movie. Parts of it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Um, That they cure him of his homosexuality. It's a
2: form of conversion therapy, you might say.
0: Now, here's the thing. Um, The next scene is all the doctors in a room roasting marshmallows talking about this, right? Yes. And uh, the doctor comes in and says, okay, you guys know I'm going to kill myself. They're all trying not to laugh. I'm trying to figure out what they're not trying to laugh about—the idea that he's going to kill himself, or the idea that he thinks he's gay. Which one's the funnier option? I Steve? Can't, yeah, I, I'm having a hard time figuring out which one of the two things, the two awful things, they could be snickering about.
2: Yeah, I don't get what. Yeah, I mean neither neither thing is actually funny. Nope. <laughs> Neither thing is appropriate for people to laugh at. Um, Absolutely not. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, as, as, is, as, as is often the case watching this movie, um, I don't really know what is even supposed to be the source of the joke. <laughs> let alone like i don't know what they're even making fun of let alone find it funny so no
0: nope. no no but they come up with the plan he comes in and he wants to know how to do it they make up this thing called a black pill and he's gonna take a black pill and he's gonna die and then they set up this long table mm-hmm. that looks like the last supper get it it's like yeah, the last supper yeah get it's it? funny and they even mimic some of the gestures in that painting of the last supper Yeah, and he goes, okay well it's time for me to die. And he crawls into a coffin and he takes the pill and people come up and they leave stuff on there um, as they walk by. And then they pick up the coffin and they put it into this ornately decorated room. Or no, they just take it into a room. And then Honkai has been fucking this married nurse nurse dish who we met yeah, she beginning. was the one
2: in the in the tent at the beginning when they first arrived. I think, yeah.
0: And he convinces her to go into the room where the, uh, the dentist has been laid down underneath a a parachute. And he basically says, "You're you're gonna fuck him, and you're gonna save his you're gonna save his life, right?" Yep. And she's and like, she "I does. don't know, <laughs> I don't know." And then she lifts up the parachute, sees his enormous penis. And then she fucks him, I guess. And, and she fixes him. And she fixes him of his gayness? <laughs> yes.
2: Yep, that's all you need. Oh, Just have is a, that <laughs> what
0: we're supposed yeah. to take away? Or is it I, his... I, what you well, gonna say?
2: <laughs> we see him the next morning and he seems fine. Okay, he's
0: perfectly fine. And then the coda of this is her getting on the helicopter and flying away because it's her last day. She's going home right? Yep. And she, and she smiles. She smiles at the memory of that gigantic hog being rammed inside of her as she saves a guy's life
2: yeah, from boy. something. Yeah, boy, you know, <laughs> some people are heroes, you know, and they never get medals, and that's a shame.
0: Yeah, and then there's more surgery bullshit, and uh, someone pays Houlihan a compliment by saying that she, you know, you may be a pile of shit, but you're a really good nurse, and then they're all yeah. hanging out by the creek. Yeah. And they get into an argument and they're like yeah. not an argument. They make a bet. What's
1: the a debate.
0: What's the what's the bet,
1: Steve? What bet do oh, they make?
2: Well well, of course, um, Major Houlihan is a blonde mm-hmm. and the bet is whether or not the carpet matches the drapes, if uh, you know what I'm saying. You
0: mean to see if her pubic hair is the same her
2: color as her pubic hair head. is the same color as her hair on her head, exactly. And they're like, But how and are we
0: ever going to find out how? we ever going to find that out? It's impossible. Oh, well, I guess we should stop. You know what, fellas? I've been sitting here drinking, and I feel really bad about how much I've fucking cheated on my wife while I was here. And I don't feel good anymore about the way we've been behaving, especially towards women. And should we have done the whole death experience for for uh, for the dentist? Because I don't know if that was good either. And then someone shoots him in the face, and then they go on with the bet, right, Steve? <laughs> <laughs>
2: yes. And so what so, they do, yeah.
0: what do it? You say it. You
2: tell. Them. Oh boy. Okay. So, they contrive a scenario where uh, Major Houlihan will be in the shower tent by herself. Mm -hmm. They time it so that they're all outside when the nurses all come out as a group to take their showers. Please remember,
0: keep this in mind, everyone. This is not a revenge thing. No. This is based on nothing that she did or said to anyone.
2: She has done nothing wrong. She is just
0: a woman at the camp.
2: Yep. It's not even like a Nurse ratchet thing where she's like a hard ass and she's their boss and they're getting it. She has literally done nothing wrong to anybody in the entire movie.
0: That we have seen.
2: That we have seen. And personally, she doesn't seem like a bad person. She's a military or like person. that Yeah. So she's in the shower tent by herself taking a shower and everybody outside gathers around. And then at the right time they give somebody the high sign and he ch- chops a rope with an ax and, and, un- and lets go of a big weight. The weight falls and the side flaps of the shower tent get pulled up revealing major Houlihan naked inside the tent, taking a shower mm. and everybody's seeing her and she immediately screams and Falls to up, the floor. Falls down. Yeah, and everybody gets to see her naked for a split second. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're and all then... they're all catcalling
0: yeah. and applauding and whooping it up. And this poor woman manages to find a bathrobe and she storms off.
2: Yes, then goes right to to uh, Colonel Blake's office.
0: No, to Colonel Blake's tent.
2: Colonel Blake's tent. She, that's right. she rips in... the door open because yeah.
0: it's locked. Yeah, and Colonel Blake is in bed with one of the nurses. Yes. And she says, if things don't change her, I'm going to resign my commission, which is a big fucking deal. It's a big fucking deal for a man to resign his commission. Yeah, It's an even bigger deal for a woman in 1950 what year is this 53
2: 1951
0: yeah 1951 to resign yeah, she's her an, goddamn commission
2: she's an officer and mm-hmm. she's uh she's a major like that's a that's a career that's not just somebody who joined up at the start of the war like she went to uh you know the academy she she a she's a commissioned officer she went to nursing school she's very good at her job yeah So she's basically not just quitting her job she's quitting her entire she's threatening to quit her entire career over this mm mm-hmm. Um, and
0: what does Blake say?
2: He says, well, go ahead and resign your goddamn commission.
0: Because he's not going to do anything about what just yeah, happened.
2: Because he doesn't care. He
0: doesn't give a shit. Yeah. She's, she is in so much shock, she wanders off saying my commission. And Blake just resumes drinking with this naked girl in the bed. Mm-hmm. And I turn, I pause the movie and I walk off. I spend some time with my children. I enjoy my fucking birthday. <laughs> 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 because I know... I have to watch this again. I have to watch it a second time. And then we cut to someplace in Korea. They are taking Hojong in so that he can be evaluated for military service, right? Yeah. At some point, a news lady films Hawkeye on a Jeep and nothing happens.
2: (laughs) Yeah, he says hi to his dad. Mm-hmm. She says, do you want to say hi to your mom? And he says, my mom's dead. Can I say hi to my dad? And she's like, sure. So he goes, hi, dad. That's it. And that's it. Cool. Thank God we got to see that.
0: The doctor who's been evaluating John comes out and he says he has for like a 12 year old boy. Boy, I don't know how old he's supposed to be. I uh, guess yeah, he's 18.
2: 16. I don't know. Whatever. How, how old he is. And he's got high blood
0: know. pressure. Um, but it's also possible that he took drugs in order for him to be washed out of military service. Um, and so we're going to keep him here for a few days to see if the drugs pass and then we're going to evaluate him again. And th- as he's leaving, he, he tells uh, Pierce, good try. And that's the end for Ho-John. <laughs> Bye!
2: Yep. Hope, you weren't, hope you weren't too attached to that character. Oh
0: boy, I'm so glad that we got the, the what they were trying to do kind of half-assed explained. And I'm so glad that it made such a crippling impact to mm-hmm. anybody. No? Anyone give no, a shit? Nope. Nobody.
2: Nobody. Haw- Hawkeye seems momentarily kind of bummed about it Mm -hmm. and then and then we never speak of it again
0: okay so trapper and hawkeye are now shooting golf balls off the the helicopter pad the helicopter lands guy runs out runs back they need trapper because the son of a congressman has some shrapnel they take a look at the x-rays and they're like this isn't a big deal but if we go to tokyo we'll be able to go play golf yeah. And he says, I want Cap- I want Captain Pierce to come with me so that we can go play golf. I mean, do a surgery.
2: Do the surgery.
0: So then we cut to a park, and Steve, <laughs> can you tell uh-huh. me why it is that, <laughs> can you please tell me why all of a sudden, for no reason, Pierce and Trapper are talking in Japanese? Dubbed <sighs> Japanese?
2: I have no idea
0: and the guy below him just keeps on saying goddamn army
2: goddamn army yeah i cuz it's because it's funny
0: okay so it's funny they arrive at the hospital the nurse that's in charge of letting people in or out stops them because they're not dressed like military personnel and they won't say who they are yes she
2: so they act like crazy people yeah. and basically talk their way past her by mm, being crazy
0: by being crazy then she calls in the head the chief nurse the chief nurse comes in and says who are you gentlemen what are you doing in our hospital who are you what's going on they still don't tell them who they are but of course because she's a woman in power and authority she has to be put in her place by trapper right
2: oh yes can't have that
0: that's when he says and can you get me a halfway decent nurse whose tits won't get in the way while i'm doing surgery
2: what a nice guy.
0: He's great, isn't
2: he? He's a great, nice guy. An American hero, really.
0: Yeah, he is. So then you know, they... he's a
2: doctor, Jason. He mm-hmm. saves lives.
0: Now, you might think that he's doing this because it's an incredibly important surgery, but they've both said it's not. The only reason they nope. want to get it done right away is why, Steve?
2: So they can go play golf.
0: So they can and go also play
2: they, golf. And, and And also they know a guy who works there who also works oh, at a yeah. combination hospital slash brothel
0: yeah so the guy who is uh, pe- the anesthesiologist happened turns out that he knows hawkeye too because hawkeye i guess knows everybody and he says small world and he says you want to go golfing with us and the guy says well i don't really have time because between working here he volunteers at the whorehouse slash yeah So he's actually doing it's a children's hospital. It's a children's hospital
2: slash whorehouse.
0: Mm -hmm. And they're like, right? And at this point, I think Altman starts becoming (laughs) self-aware because. So what happens is they complete the surgery. They're leaving to go play golf. They get marched into the the commandant's quarters. The commandant Mm. comes in and says, "I'm going to get you guys," and they completely blow him off. Because they're like, hey, we're the rock stars. You can't get anything done unless unless we do it because we're the doctors and blah, blah, blah. So they go and they go get food with their doctor friend, right? Right. And they appear to not give a shit about anything, and the doctor seems to be picking up on that fact. <laughs> there are some asides from their doctor friend who genuinely seems like... He's someone who's trying to do good work while he is there, right? And these two oh, yeah. assholes don't seem to give a shit. So they bring up the fact they bring up the fact that there is a baby who needs a surgery, right? Right. And the baby can't get a surgery on the base because he's half Japanese, half American. I wonder how that happened. Gee. But they agree to do it, right? Yeah. And they do the surgery, and again, the guy comes in, and he's like, you're not going to be doing this. And they're like, yes, we are. And And they assault him. And then they assault him with gas, and then they put him in the whorehouse, and they take a whole bunch of pictures of him with a prostitute, and they're like, ha, 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 we got you too, guy, trying to do your job. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it sucks that you, you didn't want the baby to get there, but, I mean... Oh, God. Anyway, yeah. they come back. Yeah. They come back from their thing. They go immediately into surgery. They go up to the swamp because that's what they call their quarters and they're knocking on it. And Duke is like, just a second, just a second. I, I've got, I'm just a minute. And then they look around the corner and they see coming out of the back. Is is Duke, and there is a lady hunched over with a blanket on her. And yeah. who does that turn out to be?
1: It's Major Hoolihan. What?
2: Oh, it's Major Hoolihan.
0: I'm sorry. Who, who? It's
2: it's it's Major Hoolihan. Why? She was she was having sex with Duke.
0: why well, When did that happen? When? I, when did she have I, a change of heart? When did she I, give up? When I did she happened... mentally succumb to the abuse?
2: I think what happened was after she threatened to resign her commission and, and Colonel Blake basically just gave her the finger, uh, her brain broke and she became a completely different character.
0: It's also completely possible that Duke, alone and with none of his friends, targeted her and wore her down.
2: It's possible that too, yes.
0: At this point, I wouldn't even rule out rape her. At this point.
2: He, they really are horrible, horrible people. <laughs> it can't be stressed enough what terrible people the protagonists of this movie are.
0: <laughs> anyway, now there's the football bullshit.
2: Yes. General They're, Hammond yeah.
0: comes by because he gets a letter from that, that was sent months ago to him complaining about everybody there. He shows up. He doesn't give a shit about any of that stuff either. He starts talking about football games and a bet and then the guys start talking about how they could get a team together, and oh, we could get a, a ringer, because we know a guy who used to play for the San Francisco 49ers, and he's now a neurosurgeon, and we can recruit him. Wait, are they implying, Steve... That this neurosurgeon, who was just happily doing his job in the United States, was recruited to play this fucking football game?
2: I think he's still. I think he's in the army. Okay, let's. He's in the army already. I don't think hope they. So. Yeah.
0: Anyway, so then we have yeah. a montage of them trying to practice. That's not funny. And nope. then we cut to the football game, and now this war movie is just a football game.
2: For a long, long, long For time. For
0: a really long time. And their whole idea is, okay, so we're going to bet him triple or nothing at the half because we're going to play bad on purpose. And then right. we're going to bring in our ringer because he has a ringer and a professional football player. And then when he comes, when that happens, then we'll win and we'll win triple our money, right? That Yep. And that's what and happens. That's
2: exactly <laughs> what happens.
0: The end... Please, is there anything? Because this is literally a long time in the game.
1: A really yeah, yeah.
2: long time in the game. The football game takes forever. They they win, like you said. Uh, things go more or less exactly according to their plan. And they come then back they... to
0: their abandoned hospital at wartime.
2: Yes. <laughs> and th- and then uh, we, we see that uh, Hawkeye and Duke have gotten their orders, and they're able to go home.
0: Yeah, and when they tell Duke, he looks at Houlihan, who has been fucking... And then he imagines going home and jumping into the arms of his wife. And uh, yeah, that's great. And then they leave and they leave Trapper and, and uh, their ringer, right? Mm-hmm. We've, we neglected one thing, though, when they were talking about we... bringing in a ringer.
2: Oh, what's that?
0: So they're talking with Duke about him and he said, Yo, yeah, we got this great guy. He's with the San Francisco 49ers. And we can get him in here and he can bunk with us, right? Yeah. And what does Duke say?
2: Duke doesn't like that. Why? Because Duke's from Georgia. So? And the ringer is is black. And Duke is racist.
0: Are we sure he's racist? Or he was making a joke. I can't tell anymore.
2: He's racist.
0: I'd like to say that he's racist, but at the end of the movie, when he's leaving, he shakes his hand and says bye. Well, I'm willing to then, bet that he is. I'm not trying to... They bet. won the
2: football game, though, so, you know, he's I mean, happy.
0: The odds are, if it's something really gross, that's what it is. So we'll go with that. Anyway, BJ and, and Duke leave, and that's it.
2: Yeah. Father Mulcahy blesses the jeep. Mm-hmm. They leave. Uh, the, there's the final PA announcement, which is just the credits.
0: One final good joke between Blake and Radar, where he says, "Did Did Pearson and and Duke steal that jeep?" And they said, "No, it's the one they came in on." Which is funny because it's the one they stole.
2: That is a good. It's a good joke. Yeah. It's yeah.
0: a good. It's a good ending. Right. It's a good ending to it. Yeah. And then yeah. the announcer announces the movie that we just watched as a as a movie that they're going to watch. Somehow, it, it's because time bent. A time-bent weird. (laughs) (sighs) Because he's been doing these movie announcements all throughout the picture. Right, yeah. And so he announces you, you know, tonight, MASH. And then he announces all the characters. And then we hear Goddamn Army. Boom, the end. Steve, tell me how much you hated it so we can stop doing this to ourselves.
2: So, yeah. um, (laughs) It's, uh... (sighs) Well, um... As you know, Jason, because we've talked about this before, and I don't—I don't, I don't remember—we mentioned it at, on, on the last episode when we said that *Mash* was the movie we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I—I have never been a fan of the TV show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that mash the TV show is considered a classic it's it's final episode I think is still the most watched episode of a of a of a scripted TV series like Mm -hmm. non sporting event non news event uh, in the history of American television, Mm -hmm. even to this day, Um, I've tried to watch mash several times through the years, I've never really enjoyed it. And I've always come away asking myself the question, what am I missing? Mm -hmm. So now I've watched the movie, which is also widely considered a classic, starring an incredibly talented cast, directed by one of the greatest directors in the history of American cinema. Mm -hmm. And now I'm asking myself the question, no, seriously, what am I missing? (laughs) i didn't like this movie at all what like i didn't like it even a little bit Mm. i didn't find it funny i didn't find it insightful i didn't find that it had anything particularly interesting or important to say i found it mean-spirited and juvenile and misogynistic and Mm -hmm. mind-numbingly dull. It has a running time of about two hours. It feels like about twice that long. Um, It's often been observed that mash the TV show lasted about four times as long as the actual Korean War. (laughs) The movie only feels like it lasts that long. It doesn't actually last longer than the Korean War, but it feels like it does. Um, The humor such as it is consists mostly of just a series of pranks none of which are amusing or clever, most of which are cruel, all of which are dragged out to excruciating lengths. Mm-hmm. The targets of the pranks are uniformly undeserving, so you don't even get the enjoyment of watching a villain get their just desserts. No, you, know, you as get- We talked about it...
0: The mildly annoying person.
2: Yeah, exactly. That's the worst you can say. Like, like Frank Burns, the worst you can say about him is maybe sometimes he's mildly annoying. There's Mm -hmm. this, this, like the, the scene where he's praying in their tent. Okay. I can under, I look, I'm an atheist. I'm not a huge fan of like, you know, of, of uh, Conspicuous displays of piety But I mean Frank doesn't seem like a bad guy At all he's just kneeling in his Tent praying for his fellow soldiers The most that deserves Is maybe a little eye roll maybe a little Like get a load of this guy mm-hmm. like th- They they torture this guy They ruin his life they ruin his Career because they decided They don't like him mm-hmm. um, He's a little insensitive to Bud Court's character which as you said is Actually kind of understandable in the circumstances. Even yep. if, you know, it's not the right thing, you can understand why Frank might have reacted the way he did. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he's not deserving of his treatment. Major Houlihan is not deserving of her treatment. Her yep. only crime seems to be noticing how poorly run the unit is yeah. and being a woman. Like, mm-hmm. that's it. There, what crime does she commit other than expecting people to do their jobs and existing as a woman in a position of authority? Being treated she with does a little nothing.
0: bit of common respect, not much... Not, n- not even military respect.
2: Yeah, I mean, she does utterly nothing wrong. The, the 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 level of humor in the movie is akin to shoving someone into a mud puddle and then standing there and pointing and laughing at them. Like that's that's the that's the level of, of humor in the movie where you're not even laughing at someone who tripped and fell. That's bad enough. Right. You push them down mm. and now you're laughing at them. That's the jokes in this yeah. movie. It's awful. Um the
0: surgeons the, come off as as jock douchebags.
1: Oh, exactly. Who roll in, yeah. roll
0: in. They, yeah. are, they are misogynist they, they hit on anything that moves they'll fuck any, you know, any woman they'll ignore completely if the woman has any sense of autonomy or yeah. individualism and all, everyone is an open target they don't have to follow any rules at all whatsoever no. and I guess that's supposed to be inherently funny but if you peel away the fact that they're doctors and this is the military they're every single person that you hated in college or in high school
2: Yeah. I mean, I think that you're right. The movie wants us to see them as like these aspirational characters, like these gleeful sort of anarchists who are bucking authority and, you know, delivering comeuppances to these people that deserve them, like letting the air out of the balloon of all these stuffy authority figures. But that's not how it comes across at all. They come across as bullies. They come across as bullies who are just bullying people because they're bored and have nothing else to do. And, and they don't care about the people that they're harassing. And, and the other thing that's annoying is, it, at least from the perspective of the movie, they're never wrong. They nope. never lose. They never look like they might be about to lose. There's no suspense. Mm-hmm. There's no sense that these guys are underdogs, like trying to make the best of a bad situation. They're just jerks. They're just overbearing jerks. And that's all they ever are. And like, I, I cannot stress enough what awful people they are. <laughs> They're terrible, terrible people. Um, so, yeah, I mean, so, watching this movie was a very disappointing experience. Mm-hmm and and the biggest disappointment of all is that there are such incredibly talented people involved in it. Sure. Uh Robert Altman is a genius, is is a fantastic director and the movie is very well directed. It looks good uh, the, tonally. I think it, it works. Uh, the look of it is good. Oh, I mean, tone. not to, not tonally in terms of like the 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 way it's the, the you know the the jokes and the writing and everything, mm. but like just the feel of it, the aesthetic of it. I guess is what oh, I okay. mean. Like it, yeah. there, it, it's it's
1: uh, feels real. You know,
2: it feels real. Yeah. Um, the acting is good. Mm-hmm. I mean, in in the sense that uh, it, it seems like the actors are are doing the best they can with this material. Mm-hmm. Um, the and, and the is incredibly talented i mean mm-hmm. donald sutherland and elliot gould tom scarrett i think i mentioned when we did alien tom scarrett is one of my favorite actors um sally kellerman they're all great and and look at the 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 act there are a lot of people in this movie that this is their first major film credit yeah uh renee abergenwa bud court john shuck uh, i mean it's a it's an amazing cast it's a remarkable cast i just wish their talents had been put to use in the service of a film that wasn't such a dull unpleasant ridiculously overrated fucking dud like Uh i have no idea i have no idea why this movie to this day in the eyes of many people audience members and professional critics is as revered as it is i thought it was absolute dog shit um offensive and unpleasant and upsetting and not Mm -hmm. funny at all Mm -hmm. so yeah that's what i have to say about it i didn't like it at all (laughs) i sat down
0: and watched this movie i waited to laugh i didn't realize i was gonna wait the entire movie (laughs) to do that and then everything about this film started to make me angry. Mm-hmm. If it was an anti-war film, they didn't hit that. The war doesn't even really figure into anything. No. There's lots of surgery scenes, and ooh, there's blood. And you get the idea that they take their job seriously. And maybe they're setting up the reason they're this wacky is because they have to do all of this surgery on these guys. But they're just... That doesn't seem to be it. What wind, you wind up feeling like no. is these guys are on spring break. That yeah. This is this is an opportunity for them to be constantly drunk and fucking. And that's what's important to them, is to be constantly drunk and fucking. And then, you know, we'll do some surgery scenes. Oh, the lights went out. Oh, the lights came back on. Oh, the degradations of war. There's no commentary about that in this. It's more authority it is what started to happen a lot in the 70s and this one was more in your face more of giving the figure to your authority figures who you think are wrong right yeah. What are you basing that on I don't know I have no idea maybe you want an orderly run hospital where people are supposed to go to get get treatment for having I, I don't know their half their face blown off by a grenade or something like that right Yeah people say it's a dark comedy where's the darkness is it the surgery scenes that are supposed to be super dark Is is it is that what it is we don't see anyone traumatized by what they're having to go through we just see surgery scene them being assholes Surgery scene, them being assholes. Hojan, the person the person that basically acts like a fucking servant to them the entire time he's around, to the point in which, you know, when Pierce sits down to eat his breakfast and try to talk to Houlihan that first time, he's like Hojan is getting his food and fetching him ketchup. And you're like, oh, that's a a great, that's great. I bet you care about him a lot. Well, kind of. We tried to give him drugs so that he wouldn't go into the military, but that easily could be construed as, well, we really don't want to have to find someone else that speaks English that will wait on us hand and foot.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: I've never watched a film where I've never given a shit about anybody that are supposed to be the protagonists. There are occasional things where they're trying to make us feel like, oh, well, these are decent people. When Trapper punches Frank, we're supposed to take in the fact, well, you see, he punched him because he made the, the, the corporal feel bad, because he cried, yeah, because the guy died. And it's like, that didn't really work. For me. No. Me. That didn't really work for me. Frank lost his. Frank got upset because one of his patients fucking died for no reason. But Trapper is supposed to be like I'm standing up for that guy because you made him cry. Oh, I'm supposed to give a shit about Trapper now, I guess because he pun <laughs> because he punched a guy. He punched a guy, so yeah, he's a hero. Or the, the whole thing about them trying to cure or save the dentist because he thinks he's gay and now he has to kill himself. Now, I would like to truck all of this up to, look how much we've progressed since right. 1970. Because I you wouldn't make this script ever, ever, ever now. This would never happen. There isn't no. a major movie studio no. that would come within 10 feet of this script as written, right? No. It's treatment of women. It's treatment of people of color. It's treatment of, of you know, just, just the basic idea that these frat boys... Basically, frat boy their way through an entire movie, and then nothing happens, and they go home. None of yeah. them have arcs. None of no, them have no. They learn
2: nothing. They don't change.
0: They don't change, and they learn nothing. Great. What do we, How do we? How are we introduced to them? They're stealing a jeep. How? How would we say goodbye? They're stealing a jeep. Get it. Get it. They did nothing. Happened. Nothing. They're just basically a series of vignettes. Loosely tied together. There's no plot. The main antagonist, Frank Burns, is gone before even the halfway mark of this goddamn movie. Mm -hmm. And then they continue to torment, who I guess is supposed to be the antagonist, but she doesn't do anything that's antagonizing anybody. She's just there for them to, you know, basically terrorize. And how am I supposed to find that funny? How am I supposed to find any of this funny? This is a comedy, right? It's a comedy. Now... I can also say that in 1970, there hadn't been a comedy like this. Which is, for the most part, true. There really hadn't been a comedy like this. We had been leading up to it with such hilarious comedies like The Graduate, which Steve absolutely loves.
2: (laughs) It's got Mr. Roper in it. Come on, man.
0: Whatever. My recommendation has Mr. Roper in it. Anyway. That's right. um, It's got a great cast. Uh, But I didn't like it. Is it dark? Nope. Is it funny? Nope. Does it have anything Hmm. to say about war? Nope. Nope, doesn't have anything to say about the stress of war. How pe- all these people feel separated. Nope, half of these guys feel like they're glad to be away from their from their uh, spouses. None of them yeah. seem to be missing them at all because they're knee deep in pussy and and and. this got repeated. This 1970s MASH is 1970-whatever's Animal House. Except Mm -hmm. they just said, oh, well, those were frat guys in the war. Why don't we just take the
2: war out and just make them frat guys? (laughs) Just make a movie about some frat guys.
0: we'll Get some other stuff in there. You know, the guys in MASH never had an opportunity to fuck a 13-year-old girl. We'll put that in there. It'll be a hilarious joke. We'll all laugh about it. (laughs) Ha (laughs) ha (laughs) ha ha ha. Fuck this movie. Fuck it. I'm sorry for the person that recommended it. I don't know what you were trying to do. If you're trying to make me angry, then congratulations, mission's accomplished. You did it. You did it. But if you like it, you'll like it. You know, if you like it, fine. I personally cannot see. I saw parts of this movie when I was a teenager. I hadn't really rewatched it since that time. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy to say, I don't like it. <laughs> And if you guys watch it for the first time, you guys might be in the same position I'm in now, which is what? <laughs> to its credit, MASH is getting harder and harder to find and it's not being it's not being mentioned a whole lot. And I think that is because of its subject matter. I think newer, remember, in order to remain a classic, new generations of people have to find it and fall in love with it. That's not going to happen with this movie. At least not to the extent that people are, you know, anticipating. I think younger generation, people younger than us are going to find this movie, watch it out of curiosity if they're interested, and be totally aghast by how it treats the subject matter in this film. And I'd be willing to cut it slack if it wasn't so just aggressively awful about how it treats people. So um, so this kind of plotless, icky experience, I'm not going to recommend. Steve, how about you? Oh
2: Yeah, no, not recommended. No. No, no, no.
0: So goodbye, MASH. Fuck you. The only way that could yeah. have ended well is if they got bombed immediately as a helicopter takes off it did
2: it really did need attacked on happy ending
0: no indeed well happy for us sad happy for us
2: yeah like that the helicopter crashes the and they and they yeah, all die.
0: Exactly. <laughs> how does a helicopter crashing into the mountain and kill everyone in the camp steve well the,
2: the helicopter okay you're right the helicopter has to swing back around and crash into the camp <laughs>
0: Steve recommends something.
2: Do yes, it. Do I it will. Now. So this is, as you just said, this is a um, this Gosh. is a a black comedy that is neither particularly black nor particularly funny. Nope. I it's also a war comedy. Which, is it? Uh, which, which, it's uh, in theory, which, as you also pointed out, I mean, had not really been done before, you know, and there there hadn't been too many comedies set during war or that made light of military stuff, because, oh boy, here in the United States, we sure do love the military, um, mm. but the movie I'm going to recommend is perhaps the first comedy set during a war uh at least in american cinema it's certainly the most significant the first significant comedy set during wartime in in the united states in american cinema and it's by one of my very favorite artists uh from the movies a great actor a great director and it's called shoulder arms and it is a short film from 1918 by charlie chaplin and <sighs> Charlie Chaplin himself, as a as a human being in his personal life, kind of a scumbag, mm-hmm. uh, not the greatest, uh, not the greatest guy. Uh, but this is a fantastic movie. It's Style really movie. F- it's a short. It's 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 what I'm it's what I'm recommending. People saw it in the theater. I, I they went to a theater they went, to a theater. they went to a theater and they you saw to death.
0: it. But then once again, you're you're recommending a short a short silent film.
2: <laughs> it's it's thirty six minutes. It's not like a 10-minute movie. It's a 36-minute film with a story arc and everything. I'm surprised that after uh,
0: our Lawrence of Arabia review, I'm going to recommend the 1921 Kinescope.
2: Exactly. (laughs) I'm going to recommend that film of the train arriving at the station.
0: That Buster Keaton classic, Camel Hijinks. It's three minutes long, (laughs) but boy, it's good.
2: My recommendation is Workers Leaving the Lumiere Factory. (laughs)
0: Or my favorite, the one that you mentioned, Man Gives bath to a Horse.
2: <laughs> yes, Man Washes Horse. That classic of early cinema. could can watch it again and again. Boy, he sure does wash that horse.
0: Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> but you know anyway. what? Your your recommendation is going to wind up being longer than the short that Charlie Chaplin's in. That's
2: true. That's true. Uh, no, But, yeah, it's called Shoulder Arms. You can find it in a lot of Chaplin collections on DVD and stuff. I think it's probably on YouTube. Uh, and it's also, it's one of the ones that Chaplin went back to later in his career and wrote a new musical score for it. Mm. Um, so the version that you're probably going to find today, te- I mean, would technically not be a silent movie because it does have a uh, um, uh, a musical score that was written for it, but... Uh, um, yeah, it's it's set during World War One and of course it was it was made during World War One in nineteen eighteen. Yeah, because Chaplin
0: didn't fight in that war. Because Chaplin didn't he fight. Ran in that war. He ran away. He ran away to the United States to make fucking movies.
2: And to sell war bonds.
0: Whatever. And to fuck twelve year olds.
2: Yeah, that's an, again, not a great guy in his personal <laughs> life. Um not a great guy. Not but, a great uh, I
0: love how you can assess that dude. not a great guy. I mean not you, a you know, guy. a little
2: bit of statutory rape here and there. It, he's complicated. <laughs> he's a complicated. Complicated man. Fuck him. Um, and his
0: complications. Fuck him in general.
2: Don't, don't you, don't you know that's what you say when someone you like is actually a monster? You say, "Well, he was a complicated man." Um, I don't. I uh, well,
0: divorce myself from them.
2: <laughs> anyway, my recommendation is Shoulder Arms. It's a brilliant World War One <laughs> silent comedy by Charlie Chaplin, who is a genius and also a horrible, horrible man.
0: Well, aside from Steve's constantly problematic recommendations. <laughs>
2: recommend something pure recommend something pure and good
0: as you guys know I like to recommend a film from the same year as the movie that we just reviewed and it's 1970 and there was another dark comedy based on war that came out this same year but because it didn't make as much money because it was dark and made people icky feel icky when they watched it Um, It didn't gain the acclaim that MASH did. But I love this movie in leaps and bounds. And point of fact, after I got done watching MASH, I ran directly to this film and watched it, laughed out loud, recognized its darkness, recognized it had things to say about capitalism and being in the military and the way that war can drive people insane. The movie that I'm talking about is probably my favorite film from Mike Nichols. And that movie is Catch-22. Mm-hmm. Catch-22 is set in a bomber squadron somewhere in the Mediterranean. It is, it is satire. There's no way to get around it. It is a black, black satire. And there are some deeply, deeply dark scenes in it because it understood what a dark comedy is. In order to be a dark comedy, you need to have dark shit in it. But here is the cast. Alan Arkin, Martin Balsam, Richard mm. Benjamin, Art Garfunkel, Jack Guilford, Buck Henry... Bob Newhart, Anthony Perkins, Martin Sheen, John Voight, and Orson Welles. Damn. It is an incredible cast. Orson Welles is fantastic fucking hilarious in this movie where he's constantly grumbling about how he can't just shoot people <laughs>
2: <laughs> people forget how incredibly funny Orson Wells was
0: the movie is basically about this bomber squadron where the, com- the commander keeps upping the number of uh, missions that they have to have in order to get rotated out And he's rotated it up to 50, and he continues to rotate it up and rotate it up and rotate it up. Not because he's trying to win the war, but because he's trying to gain glory for himself. He wants to become famous. He wants to be put in newspapers. He reads in one newspaper how there's a chaplain in England, and he demands that uh, Richard, uh, not Richard Benjamin, but um, Anthony Hopkins, who is the chaplain... Then he says, "I want you to do prayers before every mission, just like this guy does. That's your job. That's what you do." In the meantime, the commander and John Voigt are starting this fucking business, this side hustle, where they're stealing stuff from from the uh, the pilots, like uh, their parachutes, and <laughs> using them stuff like that to ne- negotiate black market trades, which just grows out of control. There's a the doctor, and this is what I mean by it is a satire. The doctor who um, has people write his name onto the manifest when they take planes out so that he can get his flight time without actually getting into a plane. Well, one of the guys goes crazy, kills another man in one of the most astonishing special effects I've ever seen for 1970, and then crashes into a mountainside. The other people are there with the doctor, and they're saying, I hope the doctor jumps out. Oh, I hope he bails out. And he's like, I'm right here. (laughs) And then when his plane crashes, he just wanders around like a zombie because he honestly believes that he died in the plane crash, and he wasn't there. It's a great movie. It's a great movie. It's got one scene of gore Mm -hmm. that will literally shock you. You know it's coming, but you're not prepared for it when it actually happens it is the most realistic awful gore you will ever see and it comes at the very end. This movie had something to say. It's super dark. There's kind of a happy ending, but not really. But please go see Catch 22. It's on if you have Amazon, if you have uh, Amazon Prime, it's free right now. Um and that's it. I'm done. I'm done with reviewing. I I don't this experiment has gone gone bad.
2: <laughs> but there is
0: one thing. Yes. You've had a little break, haven't you, Steve?
2: Uh, Yeah, I have. Yeah, I have.
0: You haven't had to make a choice about a movie at all? No,
2: No, not for about a month. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But now it's time for you to do that kind of choice. What kind of choice?
2: A a terrible choice. That's right,
0: a terrible choice. Terrible choice. choice. As you guys know, I make Steve pick the next movie. He has to make a blind choice between three films, Mm -hmm. A, B, or C. And this time around, it's going to be three films from a pair of directors... That we haven't featured on the show. Which is a shame, because I love these guys. Most of their movies, not all. There's a couple in there that are real garbage. And now I've selected three of them. Steve, please make your choice. A, B, or C. Pick something, motherfucker. Because I need to know (laughs) that there's light at the end of the tunnel.
2: I'm going to choose C.
0: C. Okay. So, the pair of directors that we're going to be uh, reviewing a movie of are the Coen Brothers. Woo-hoo! Had you chose A, we would have uh, reviewed the Western noir thriller No Country for Old Men.
2: Oh, boy.
0: That would have been good. Yeah. That would have been good. Love that movie. Had you chosen B, we keep shooting at this movie and we keep missing. We would have reviewed the modern neo Noir thriller slash comedy The Big Lebowski. Mm. But you chose A, one of my favorite movies of all time. The movie that really got people to pay attention to the Coen brothers, I mean in a wider sense, because they had made a couple of movies prior to this, or at least one movie prior to this, that got critics to go, oh, who are those guys? The next movie that we're going to review is the Ridiculous Funny, Raising Arizona.
2: Aha, very nice.
0: And we finally get that Nick Cage (laughs) quoting In one of his good movies.
2: (laughs) <laughs> Those are fewer and fewer these days.
0: So, if you guys haven't seen *Raising Arizona*, go out and see the film before we record one of these some bitches again. So you yeah. can get all the jokes and laugh along with us. Because whoa, oh, I need it. I need it, Steve. I need a good movie after this. Oh, Me too. Jesus fucking Christ. Me too.: All right, that's it. We're done. We're fuck it. We're done. We're done, right? We're done. We're, We're done. Uh, yes,
2: we are. We're done. OK,
0: good. Hey everybody, Thanks for listening once again for late seating. This has been Jason Harding, and go see a movie this week.
2: And this has been Steve Shives. I'm going to leave you now, but I want to make sure the oozing is checked before I close up.
0: Okay, here, take a look. Is it? No, 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 no. Up, 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 up,
2: up. Oh, what? No.
0: Not Uh. that oozing, this oozing.
2: What? Oh. Oh, oh, fuck. No. Oh, my God. Get your finger in that hole. Mm. Swirl it around a little bit. (laughs)
0: Gross. I think it's clogged. You need to get one of those pipe cleaner thingies and run, run it right up there.
2: You need no, no, no. You really empty it out. You need to pinch your nose shut and hold your breath and just push. You know what I mean? Like your last time I did that,
0: it shot out and killed somebody.
2: Well, who else is around? I mean.
0: Well, I mean, there's nobody except my dog. You want me to kill my dog?
2: I'm not saying I want you to kill your dog. You want me to
0: kill my dog with discharge? (laughs) I'm literally going to puke in a second. This is, how dare
2: you? (laughs) You want me to kill my dog with discharge? You know
0: better. I'm like a weird machine. If you put the wrong ingredients in, gross stuff comes out.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Couldn't be
0: something about our weird sex lives or something. Instead, it's the discharge shooting out of my penis and killing my dog.
2: <laughs> By the way, that's the remake of Old Yeller I want to see.
0: <laughs> Look at it this way, Travis. You're killing two birds with one stone.
2: <laughs> Just aim it that way, son.
0: <laughs> I can't, Mom.
2: <laughs> be a man. Okay.
0: If you don't do it, both of you are going to die anyways. Pushes him into the kennel.
2: Bye-bye. <laughs> it's you or the dog. Make your decision, son. Shop You're locked on the and loaded.
0: <laughs> I'm going to kill your father for taking you to that whorehouse. <laughs> luh, luh.
1: <sighs>
2: yeah.
0: All right, I'm done. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm exhausted from this. So much anger. <laughs>
2: You're so filled with hate. I am. Um, me too though. I am too though. You sound it. Yeah. I'm just filled it. with hate. I'm just vibrating with just apps just, you know. If you rage had said, "You know
0: what? I know that it's old and I know that it's it it really doesn't carry the same uh, values that we do today, but I really liked it." My my head would have scanner exploded. Literally, like the beginning of scanners, it would have just literally exploded.
2: I I mean, I know you well enough that it does, I expected that you wouldn't like it either. Um, I just, like, when I remember, because oh, I just watched it yesterday. I was watching it, and I was like, oh, man, Jason's got to hate this. Uh, and Because I did. Did you I mean, picture I was just, me I, sitting I,
0: at my desk, just like, I literally like this the whole time, my hand up to my face.
2: <laughs> because I didn't, like, I didn't take a break. I didn't have to, I didn't get up and walk away from it. But there mm-hmm. were times when I was kind of like, I was just sort of looking around at other stuff in the room. <laughs> just like you were
0: checking to make sure no one was witnessing you watching the
2: film. Just like, oh God, what is oh, Jesus.
0: You know, your most you know. liberal friend longs and hey Steve, what you doing? And you're like, no
2: <laughs>
1: I'm doing <laughs> get get it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Alright.
0: No, no. Bye everybody. Bye everybody. Late Seating is a Let Me Listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding. Produced by Jason Harding. Theme music, Rollin' at Five, composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. You can find more Let Me Listen podcast productions at our website at www.letmelistenpodcast.com. You can also find us on Stitcher, iTunes, or just about anywhere you download podcasts. Late seating is a listener-supported podcast. If you would like to support Late Seating or any of the other lemmy listen productions for as little as one dollar a month, please visit our patreon page at wwwpatreoncom let listen and thanks for listening.